Hi, this is John Maxwell, and welcome to another MIC recording. I'm with some very special people. We have a group of people called The Table, of which I spend every month on the phone with them in a mentoring role, doing some teaching, doing some Q&A. But today we're in Atlanta, Georgia. In fact, we're in Arthur Blank's office here in the city, the owner of the Atlanta Falcons, uh, one of the co-founders of Home Depot. And uh, this group is called The Table because what we do is we sit around the table and we throw out leadership issues and then we all discuss them and we learn from each other. And we've had a, an amazing morning and the time that we've had today, I've been in a lot of discussion groups, I've been in a lot of Q&A type things, I've never been in a better one than what we had today. And we have about 18 people sitting around a large table and we're just having a really good time and I'm gonna teach the lesson from here to them and also to you, and the title of the lesson is Simple Works. Let's get started. There are two words that guarantee success. Number one is simple. And why does simple guarantee success? Because simple makes something easy to understand. You know, in other words, you can't succeed in what you don't understand. So simple kind of makes everything easy to understand. The second word is works. And works make it consistent consistently effective and practical, okay? So we're going to talk about simple, which is the part of the understanding, works, which is part of the practice of effectively being able to do something that really has a good return. Now, there are two questions I ask before giving direction as a leader. Questions are, and the questions you would want to ask as a leader is, what do you want them to know? That gets back to, what do you want them to understand, okay? That goes back to, to simple. Simple makes things easy to understand. And what do you want them to do? That's all about work. And I love simple, and I've lived that way all of my life. I have always loved simple. I am a theologue in my first degree, and I can still remember going through my systematic theology classes. And systematic theology is known for stuff that is hard to understand. There's a lot of Bible in it, there's some philosophy in it, and there's a lot of intellectualism in it. And I can still remember sitting in these systematic theology classes, and while the profs would wax eloquent in their teaching, almost daily, almost daily, I'd raise my hand and say, what's that mean? I don't understand that. Could you break that down for me? And, and I frustrated the profs because I was asking for simple. I was asking for application. I was asking for something that, that I could work. You know, what's the takeaway? You know, when I become a pastor, how's this going to help me? You know, they hated those kind of questions. It greatly disturbed them that I would, you know, inject into that classroom setting, and like, okay, and what will we do with this once we understand this? And, and why is that so important to know as far as what I'm going to accomplish in my life? And all I was trying to do is, I was trying to reduce everything down to something that was simple that worked. And I can still remember as seniors, the big thing was senior chapel where every kid that would graduate would go in and speak to all of the faculty and all the college students, and they would preach a, a message. And I knew, because I had the same professor for most of my systematics classes, who was also a homiletics professor, I knew that he loved big words and, and complexity. And so I realized that I had two challenges. One is I had to please him, 
because he was the one's going to be the grade. And then I knew I needed to connect with the students. Now, that's a very challenging situation because one is looking for something that's complex and difficult to understand, and the kids, they could care less. They just like to have something simple they could apply. But this professor really had a problem. He fell asleep a lot. And I just bet on him falling asleep within the first five minutes of my message. So I, and, and with only a typical, <laughs> ordinary kid like me who just sometimes is, I'm just ashamed of myself. I said, okay, I'm going to do about eight minutes that'll please him, and I'll do about 10 minutes because it was about 20 minutes that'll just crack the kids up and help them. So my title that day was The Incompatibility of Sin and Sonship. That is a professor's title for a sermon. The Incompatibility of Sin and Sonship. I mean, they just, I knew I got an A on the title. I mean, just, you know, because, because when you say the incompatibility of sin and sonship, you say, what does that mean? That's an A right there. That's, you, just, you, you just got an A. You, yeah, because we don't know what that means. And that is what, so that gets you, so I, I knew that. And so, and then the first five minutes, I just used theological terms and pleased Professor Blackstone. And he fell asleep. And as soon as he fell asleep, I looked at the kids. I'll never forget this. And I said, I know you've been sitting here listening to this message, and you're saying, so what? Well, so have I. And they started howling. And I said, now let me tell you what that really does mean. And I just went down to common terminology. And when I got done, those kids were clapping. Well, they, when they stood up and clapped, Professor Blackstone, he woke up. And so he's <laughs> up there clapping. And, and I walked off as a communicator that day. And I thought, I just did something quite amazing for a senior in college. I pleased my professor with confusion and complexity. And I pleased my fellow students with simplicity and practicality. Now, what I'm saying to you is, Outside of an educational situation, okay? I have three degrees, so don't get mad, okay? Outside of an educational situation, I don't know anywhere else the complexity is honored. I don't know anybody else that just says, boy, if you could just, if you could just make it hard to understand, then I could get excited. I don't know anywhere else. Simple work. And when I do a, uh, a book, I mean, when Charlie and I do a book, the goal of the book is to be very simple, to be very practical. Now, we want to be creative in how we write the book and make it fun to read, but the whole bottom line is simple and practical. So in your notes, I, I, I just love this story, so I, I think I put it because I want you to have it. Two of the all-time greatest coaches in sports history were Red Arbach, who coached the great Boston Celtics basketball teams in the 50s and 60s, and Vince Lombardi, who was legendary, of course, of the Green Bay Packers. And when I read their biographies, what stuck with me most was their keep it simple philosophy. While other teachers were teaching complicated, coaches were teaching complicated offense and defense, both Lombardi and Auerbach only had a few key in place, but this was the key. They executed the plays to perfection. Someone once asked Auerbach what magic formula he had for winning games, and he laughed and said, our secret to success is what I would call effective simplicity. Nothing complicated. In fact, we only have seven different plays, and Bill Russell touched the ball on every one of them. Very simple. This is how we do it. 
Warren Buffett said the business schools reward difficult, complex behavior, but simple behavior is more effective. You've already heard me too many times say the difference between an educator and a communicator. Educator takes something simple, makes it complicated. A communicator takes something complicated, makes it simple. Okay. Genius is the ability to reduce the complicated to the simple. In fact, when I was talking about Vince Lombardi or reading about him a moment ago, Vince Lombardi is the one who's known for every time, every year, the first session when he got all those professional players together, just hold up a football, and he looked at him and said, gentlemen, this is a football. Let's start with the basics. John Wooden. What would he do the first time? He'd get his players in the locker room, and the first thing he'd do is teach them how to tie their shoes and put on their socks, put on their socks so they wouldn't get blisters. Because he said, you know, a blister can knock you out of a key part of a game, and I don't want that to happen to you. Okay, going back to the, the simple things. Uh, I love the story of Vince Lombardi when they were having a, 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 the coaches were coming together for their annual meeting. They were explaining their complex offenses and defenses, and finally Lombardi got up, and he said, well, he said, ours is a little more simple than what the rest of yours would be. He said, one our, on offense, our strategy is to knock the other team down. He said, when we're on defense, our strategy is the same. Knock the other team down. He said, I find that really works. Just knock the other team down. In my book, Everyone Communicates, Few Connect, I, I make the statement that connectors do the difficult work of keeping it simple. And I think this is what's so key is the fact that it's very difficult to keep things simple. But you have to really protect that if you want to communicate and connect. The genius of this lesson comes from Kevin Myers, who I've had the privilege of personally mentoring for, I would say now, 14, 15 years. Kevin and I were at one of my schools. I went to school, college at Ohio Christian University in, in Ohio. And we were both that day doing some teaching up there, some lecturing to the business community. And Kevin Myers, I'm mean, sitting right there on the front row. I'm taking notes, listening to Kevin. And Kevin looked at me and he said, John's mentored me for 15 years. And he says, the secret of John's communication skills is the fact that what he says, everybody understands. It's very simple. And so he said, I know how he does this. I know how he makes things simple. And he took them through this formula now that we're going to do in our notes, and then the rest of our lesson is going to be about that. How do we get to simple? Well, first of all, they're simplistic. And simplistic is fast and shallow. Okay, it's the things that we say that are sayings, but we probably haven't thought them through. Experience is the best teacher, okay? It's fast, it's shallow. Complexity is slow and deep. When you, all of a sudden you decide to make something complex, you, you slow way down. You, you, and you know, you slow way down, you dive, you dive. And what Kevin said is, he, he said, John will take something simplistic, and he'll take it through this complexity stages, which is what I'm really going to teach you today. And then he says, as he works it through complexity, it comes out on the other end simple. And simple is fast and deep. Oh, I like that. Now notice how this process works. Simplistic is fast and shallow. Complexity is slow and deep. But simple is fast. In other words, you can get through it quickly. But it is also deep. Simplistic ask no questions. Complexity ask many questions. Simple answers questions. For example, I'm going to give you an illustration right here. Everyone of us around the table here today have heard the statement, leaders are born. 
I can still remember when I was getting ready to write the book, Develop the Leader Within You, I had to look at that statement, leaders are, are, are born, not made. They're just born. Well, it's a he's a natural, she's a natural born leader. And I remember saying, wow, is that true? And I remember challenging that simplistic statement. Well, you know, leaders are born. Because I didn't think that they were, so I put it from simplistic, leaders are born, to complex. I said, okay, we got to ask, them, is that really true? Well, it is true that leaders are born. There are some people that are even born with natural leadership gifts. So there's some truth about that, but it's not totally true. And here's what you got to understand about simplistic. It is true enough to get buy-in, but it's not true enough to last. And so all of a sudden, when I looked at this, you know, leaders, well, yeah, leaders are born, but I know other people that they weren't really naturally born leaders, and they're really doing well. By the way, that complexity stage on that statement, that's what was the motivating factor for me to write the book, Developing the Leader Within You. I wrote Developing the Leader Within You because I thought you could develop, and what made that a breakthrough book, which, by the way, that book I wrote back in, I don't know, what was that, 94, Charlie? Two, okay, early 90s. That book today sells as good as it did when it came out. In fact, it's just getting right past 2 million mark. I mean, the book just keeps on selling. And the reason it just keeps on selling is because it was the first book out that basically said you can learn to lead. Up until that, it was basically you either have it or you don't have it. You're either a leader or you're not a leader. In fact, Peter Drucker told me one time, he said, John, he said, this is not only the first book that says that you can grow and develop the leader. He said, right now, because when it just came out, I said, it's the only book. And I've often thought that's probably what got me started quicker. The other thing is taking something simplistic, leaders are born, and taking it through complexity and saying, I don't really believe that. I mean, I can go, I mean, I can tell you this process till the cows come home. I, I can remember when I started speaking. And because things were going well, and in my late 20s, I was getting already on the circuit with other motivational speakers that were, you know, old enough to be my dad. Some of them probably old enough to be my grandfather at that time. And I can remember watching motivational speakers and watching people clap and cheer and get excited. And I sit back there and I say, I really like that. I kind of like a motivational speaker. I like to feel good. I like to get hyped up a little bit. Hoo, 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 hoo. Okay, that's good. But I kept looking and I kept thinking, there's something better than that. And I put it through the complexity stage and I started asking questions. And I came out on the other end and said, I don't want to be a motivational speaker. That's where I, you hear me make the statement, people when they talk about a motivational speaker, you know, they make you feel good, but the next day you're not sure why. Yeah, but they made you feel good. You know, in fact, the next day you're going, whoa, I feel good. You don't have a clue, but you feel good. And I said, no, no, I don't want to be a motivational speaker. I want to be, I want to be a motivational teacher. I want to make them feel good, but I want to give them tomorrow a reason to know why. I want to give them practice. I want to give them application. I want to give them something to flesh out. Now, that's going from that simplistic to complex. Here's what I'm saying is most of the world lives on that simplistic level. They think on that level, they speak on that level, they receive on that level. But for the few people that will go down to complexity and let that process, which is slow and it is deep, let that process really marinate, there's amazing rewards on the other end. So let's talk about complexity, because here's the question. If complexity is where you're going to get this major evolution change, how do you take something that is simplistic and put it in the complexity area and come out with something. So I, I'm going to help you here. Okay. There are what I call complexity questions you need to ask. It goes to that statement I put in your notes. If you know the right questions, you will ultimately receive the right answers. 
So let me give you the questions that I go through when I'm trying to sort things out that are too simplistic to last. First of all is the intuitive question. And the intuitive question, I just simply ask myself, how do I feel about this? How, how do I feel about this? In other words, does this seem right to me? Do I intuitively buy into this myself? How do I feel about this? Joyce Brothers said, trust your hunches. They're usually based on facts filed away just below the conscious level. Okay? So trust your, you know, when I, do I, well, how do I feel my gut about this? And by the way, you've heard me teach also, as you know, we are intuitive in the area of our giftedness. That's where our intu intuition is. So one of the reasons I was able to break through that leaders are born thing is I was already a leader and I was intuitive in there. And so therefore, I, I was able to take it maybe into the complex section. Okay. And one more thought on the intuitive question before I go to the second one, and that is never ignore a gut feeling, but never believe that it is enough. So when people say, you know, I, I just got a gut feeling about this, I look up and say, okay, I like that. What else do you have besides your gut? What else do we have here? Okay? So the intuitive question is one of the things I go when I work through complexity. Okay, number two, the second question is the right people question. And the right people question simply asks, do people who are successful in this area agree with this? In other words, when something comes out simplistic, I want to know what people that are successful in that area think about that themselves. And then I put this statement, the weight of a person's words should be placed upon what they have done successfully. So when you ask me, how do you weigh a person's words? I weigh a person's words by their track record. And so if somebody has a track record, of success in their subject area, I weigh their words much more heavily than I do with somebody who has knowledge in that area. So the right people question. Do the right people agree with this? Okay. Number three is the yesterday question. And the yesterday question simply asks, does the past validate this? In other words, when somebody says something like that, I say, does history prove this? Has this been something that's been proven? Because the best predictor of what a person will do today is based upon what that person did yesterday. The fourth question I ask myself in complexity is the foundation question. And the foundation question simply asks, can this bear the weight of time, opinions, thought, and adversity? Only ideas, behavior, and people who are solid will last. In about eight minutes, I'm going to teach you in this section of complexity, the frequency formula, which will really bring this out even better. Let's go to question number five. Question number five is the example question. What examples credit or discredit this thought? When somebody gives you a simplistic thing, what kind of examples would back this up, credit or discredit? A pint equal a gallon. What's that formula mean when it says a pint, pint equal a gallon? A pint of example is equal to a gallon of advice. Okay. Number six is the connecting question. The connecting question just simply ask, does this connect with the heart and the mind? In other words, do, does my heart and my mind respond to this? Before communication, a connector asks, does anyone care? Simple doesn't work if simple doesn't relate. So it has to be more than just the understanding of the mind. It has to be the acceptance of the heart. Now, I love this question, number seven. The signature question. After much thought and consideration, can I sign off on this? 
In other words, can I write my name by this? Okay. See, simple plus true plus passion equals persuasion. So you take something simple, something that's true, put passion with it, and all of a sudden you are persuading others. So let's review, okay? Simplistic is fast and shallow. Complexity is slow and deep. Simple is fast and deep. Simplicity asks no questions. Complexity asks many questions. I just gave you seven questions complexity asks. Simple answers questions. Let's go on. Simplistic embraces popular thought. Complexity embraces frequency. We're going to teach that in a moment. And simple embraces proven thought. So I not only ask questions to get through this complexity issue, I do the frequency formula to get through complexity. And the frequency formula is this. Solid conclusions require frequency. In other words, you can't prove anything by once. Okay, if we had time, this exercise works. I've, I've done this exercise, so this will work for you, okay? But if we had time, I'd have you pull out a coin, and I'd have you flip it ten times. Now, if you flipped a coin ten times, the average person says, well, probably half of it will be heads and half of it will be tails. Can I promise you, if you flip a coin ten times, it seldom ever happens that ha half of it's heads and half of it's tails. It might be 6-4, it might be 7-3. Five, 5-5 five is very rare. Maybe 10% of the time you get 5-5. Five, five. Now, if you take that same coin, though, and you flip it 100 times, you'll get very close to that 50-50. You might be 51-49, you might be 52-48. 80% of all is within that range. Now, why did it all of a sudden get to kind of to the 50-50 range that makes sense? Frequency. In other words, it requires frequency for you to begin to truly understand simple. So simple doesn't come quickly because you can't do things frequently quickly. So simple in that complexity stage means you do it over and over and over again until you've reduced it, okay? So let me just read a couple thoughts. When it comes to predicting the weather, 70% chance of rain today, illness, 15% chance of getting the flu, or business success, 50% of a new business failing, our lives seem to be ruled by statistics. But stats are only relevant after you have tried to process a significant number of times what mathematicians call having enough frequency. To create wealth, you've got to have a formula. If you just try something two or three times and it doesn't work, it doesn't mean that you should give up. In fact, everyone who creates wealth has a formula that has been repeated time and time again in their process or their formula works most of the time. So let me give you some first-time thoughts. Number one, in the beginning, we don't do well. In the, I used to say, if you heard me in my old lectures, remember when I used to in my old lectures, and I, you know, because we had the expression, all's well that ends well, and I would go around and say, no, all's well that begins well. I've, I've stopped that, because it's not true. That was, hey, that was simplistic. Sounds good. Got some truth to it. Doesn't bear weight. Now I don't say all's well that begins well. I just say all's well that begins. You don't have to start off well, you just have to begin. If you begin, you get to well through practice, through frequency. So your goal isn't to do well in the beginning, your, your goal in the beginning is to begin. Number two for first-time thoughts. In the beginning, we don't have total understanding. Not only do we not do well in the beginning, 
in the beginning, we don't have total understanding. Because excellence is doing something enough times that you do it well, and wisdom is doing something enough times that you understand it. And both of these are results of the frequency for me. You've got to do things well for a long time to understand them, and you've got to, okay, got to do them enough times. So the, here's the final frequency kind of formula thought before we go on in this lesson. Things work out over time, but not every time. And so complexity says you not only have to ask questions to get to simple, complexity says you've got to do it a number of times to get to simple. Simple is a matter of frequency. Simple is a matter of asking enough questions. So review again. Simplistic is fast and shallow. Simplistic asks no questions. Simplistic embraces popular thought. The result of simplistic is interest. People notice, but they don't change. Complexity is slow and deep. Complexity asks many questions, and complexity embraces frequency. The results of complexity is integrity. People who go through this process find truth and reality. But let's go to simple. Simple is fast and deep. Simple answers questions. Simple embraces proven thought. The result of simple is value. People understand and they experience the growth. So let me give you just a couple closing thoughts. Number one is simplistic never satisfies me. And it doesn't satisfy me because it's trite and it's half right. But by the way, by the way, we always use simplistic to solve other people's problems. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We all go into a simplicity. When somebody has problems, you know, uh, how do we solve, solve the other person's problem? They come to you and say, well, all you got to do is these three things. That's all simplistic. We, we go into simplistic when we want to solve other people's problems. Now, complexity challenges and fulfills me. And here's the point that I want you to go. People don't go through complexity because it's long, it's, it's slow, it's deep. And I've discovered something over the years, not discovered it lately, I've known this for some time. I really like complexity. I like to really wrestle with thought. Now, I'm not an intellectual. I'm smart, but I'm not an intellectual. But I really like to, I like the challenge of getting it on this other side. And I've got to take it through the questions, and I've got to take it through the frequency to get it to the other side. But I like that. I like that process. It's fulfilling to me. It's like solving a puzzle. It's almost like all of a sudden you say, wow, I got, I got the picture. I, I'm getting this part. And it's a very much of a challenge. It's the price you pay, I think, to get simple. But, but in closing on this simple lesson, it's just for, I want to make sure we got it. Simple works. It works. So here's the question. How much effort are you putting into your vision to make it simple? How much effort do you put into your communication to make it simple? I have people all the time come up and say, you know what, when you said that today, I thought, I thought that a dozen times. Now, to an intellectual, that's a slam. Oh, you mean I didn't give you something major, new, and enlightening? You've thought about that dozens of times. But for a connector, I go, touchdown. I just validated what you think. 
I just validated where you were going. So I just challenge you, I challenge all the MIC listeners very much, to pay the price of going simple. Simplistic, you don't have to pay a price. But simplistic doesn't. I've written 74 books, I guess, and out of 70-some books. Why do those books keep selling? Because simple works. Simple works. It's timeless. Simple works. Those principles today, they worked 10 years ago. Guess what? They'll work another 10 years ago. The laws of growth, they'll work 50 years from now. They just work. Simple works. When we did the 21 laws of leadership, Charlie knows this very well, spent six months just working on the laws, not writing the book. So when you read those simple laws, you say, oh, yes, my gosh, yes. Oh, yeah. The law of the lid. Whoa, well, here we go. Took us six months on those laws. And on rewrites, Charlie and I went back and forth, I think six or seven times before the book went out. Just pressing down, pressing down, pressing down, pressing down, making sure it was simple. I had a classic example of that enclosed in this illustration today is when, when the coaches went to Guatemala this week and they were taught how to do a round table. And they were taught how to get eight to ten people around them. And, and I, I, I made a wonderful, amazing discovery for me this week. And that is that how quickly they could learn this round table because it was simple. And then how effective it was because when they went out and did it, it worked. And, and people were in the first session, you know, confessing and being transparent and opening up and saying, oh, my goodness, I never did. And we had a, one of our coaches named Audrey went out, and she said, she came back and said, John, she said, my translator that got the material a couple of weeks ago before I got down there to look through the material because I got it translated, my translator, when I met her this morning, got all excited and said, oh, I love this material. I've started three roundtables. Just get the material. She started them. Simple work. So in what I am doing, can it be repeated? Can anybody do it? The more that we can make it accessible for more people and the more that we can make it reproducible. Accessible and reproducible. Accessible and reproducible. Then simple works.